welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Expecting to meet with Jesus. So say this with me. I'm here on purpose and with a purpose and for a purpose. God, speak to me today. Say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. My heart is open and I am ready. In the mighty name of Jesus, we all said, amen. Open your Bibles back up to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to jump off of last week's scripture that we were looking in. Um, The Lord put this message in my heart Monday morning. I got up Monday morning and was just going through my normal routine. And right away, which is highly unusual for me, God just put this message for today in my heart first thing Monday, which normally doesn't happen. And so it's been cooking in the crock pot all week, to say the least. And so... I really think that God wants to do something today. So when you're sitting here, I encouraged you last week in this as well. As you're sitting here, draw on the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he's saying to you. He's he's got something for you, Noah. And if you will open your ears and pay attention to what he's saying, you will leave this place transformed and changed. And not just Noah, but everybody in this room. So as we're here, press in to what God is saying. Don't just listen to my words, but listen to the voice inside of my words. Listen to the Spirit of God that is speaking to you because he doesn't want you to encounter him, to come into his presence and leave ever the same way that you came in. Do we agree with that? Philippians chapter 4. Since we're jumping off of last week's message, I'm calling this Praise Break 2 Electric Boogaloo. It's not Electric Boogaloo. I am calling it Praise Break 2. And my subtitle today is The Break That Sets the Captives Free. And during the first service, when we got to a portion portion of the scripture that I read then, and we're going to read today as well, I believe that God wants to set some people free. And so be prepared for God to do what he wants to do and set us free from what we need to be set free from. Do do you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ can redeem and restore and set free? Uh, Something else, some other random thought that struck me at the very end of the last service was if we could grasp the position that we have in Christ, that all the cares and the concerns and the worries of this world would not phase us the way that they do. And I think God is wanting to get us to a place where we truly understand who we are as his children. As co-heirs in Christ. And when you understand the position that you have, when you understand that you are a child of God, that you really can walk through the worst storms that you think they're ever out there and not be phased by it. 
that you won't look at the wind and the waves and be concerned and be scared and be afraid, but you'll walk through those storms just like Jesus did, unencumbered and unconcerned about the wind blowing and the waves blowing. You'll just walk where you're going with a purpose. And I think he's wanting, one of the things he's wanting to do and wanting to reveal is that to us so we understand who we are, so that we can be who he's called us to be. Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to pick up in verse 6. I'm going to make a few notes out of here, then we're going to jump into Acts chapter 16. I won't take too long. I know it's lunchtime already, but here's the thing. Sometimes we're going to hit, we're going to hit that good spot of being hungry. You know, like when you're hungry, there's a spot when you go too hungry for too long where you're not hungry anymore. But today, at the end of church, you're going to be at that sweet spot where you're really hungry and you get to go eat something just in time. And it really hits the spot. So you're welcome. You're welcome in advance. You're welcome. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul is talking to the church in Philippians. He's talking to the people of Philippi, and he says this, just to remind you, we went through this last week when we talked about praise break. He said, don't worry about anything. Instead, uh, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and then thank him for all he's done. Take a praise break. He says, if you do that, in verse 7, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything that we could understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Thank God for that. Amen? And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing he says I want to say to you. He says, fix your thoughts on what is true, on what is admirable, or honorable, on what is right, on what is pure, on what is lovely, on what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Then he says this, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. And then he says, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Everything you heard from me and everything you saw me doing. Now, it got me thinking as he wrote this because this is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippians. And so right now, he is giving them instructions. He is telling them what to do. And so they are hearing him say something. But then he says, I don't want you just to learn from the things that I've said to you. I don't want you just to learn from hearing. But I also want you to learn from the things that you saw me do. Listen, here's a side tip for you. Just a side Side note for you, you need to have people in your life that you both listen to, but you don't stop there. But you are able to see into their life the kind of person they really are. That you can see for yourselves that they live up to the things that they are telling you to do as well. Listen, you can find the best preachers on the world on Instagram, on YouTube, and on Facebook. But you do not see those people's everyday life. You don't know if those people live what they are telling you to do. And so Paul says you need to do everything You've heard me say, but not only heard me say, but that you've seen me live out as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says to the Corinthians, imitate me as I imitate Christ, which means that you've got to watch him. You've got to look into his life. I don't know how many times people send me 
podcasts and YouTube videos. You need to watch this preacher. You need to listen to this preacher. Great. That's great. Hey, awesome. Great message. But you know what? We don't know anything about that dude, and you don't know what his life looks like in real life. So take it, listen to it, receive from it, but do not make that your church. Do not make that your pastor. You need somebody to pastor you. You need somebody that you can be accountable to that can look into your life and that you can look into their life. So he says, everything that you, he said, keep putting into practice and receive from me everything you heard, and everything saw. So I was thinking about what is this saw? Where, where did they see him? Where did the Philippians see him that he could use this phrase to them? That's in Acts chapter 16. Before we go there, though, I want you to look at something else. I don't think we have this verse because this was just a side thought I had this morning. If you keep going on, you know, there's a really famous scripture that we all love to quote from First, first Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Does anybody know what it says? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, we love that verse, don't we? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can run up a mountain. I can fight a bear. I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am a superman. I can do all things through Christ. But hang on a second. You see, he goes into that verse. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me right after he finishes what he just said in verses 6, in verse 7, in verse 8, and verse 9. I want to show you something. I, somehow, oh, here we are. Philippians chapter 4. If you have a Bible, this is bonus content for you. If you don't have a Bible, you're going to have to take our word for it. Those of you who have a Bible, just flip a page if you have to. And I want to show you something. Verse 11. No, verse 12. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. Then he says, I have learned the secret of living in every situation. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or with an empty stomach, whether it's with a lot or with a little. Then he says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. What is that secret that he learned? Let me tell you. Good question. Glad you asked. Here is the secret that Paul references in verse 12 that he learned that enables him to do all things through Christ that strengthens him. Do you want to know what it is? Are you sure you want to know what it is? Great. Then go back to chapter 4, verse 6, and let's look here. All right. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray and thank God. He says, instead of worrying, you choose to pray and give God thanks for what he's done. And then you fix your mind and you think about things that are right. And then even when you're going through it, you still keep putting into practice the things you learn. This is the secret, Paul says, that I have learned that has enabled me, enabled me to say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. What is the secret? Giving thanks taking a praise break in your life. Taking a praise break in your life is what enables you to have strength to do all things through Christ. Well, that's real exciting. Acts chapter 16, let's go there. So he says, everything you heard from me and everything you saw me doing. So let's look at this. And this is the story that Paul used as an example in his life, because they saw him. This is a chapter, this is a story where Paul was with the people in Philippi. 
And this is what he's referring to. Now, uh, this is Acts chapter 16. This story, this account takes place about 10 years before Paul wrote the letter in Philippians, okay? So about 10 years earlier, this story takes place. And in verse number 9 of chapter 16 is where we're going to pick up. And it says, that night, Paul had a vision and a man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing with him, standing there pleading with him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. The guy has a dream with somebody standing there saying, please come help us. Come tell us the good news of Jesus. We need you. This is what his dream is. So the Bible says he gets up in the morning, says, we decided at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Has anybody ever had a dream where God spoke to them and you acted on it? I think I saw Sarah's hand raised. Five hands. Oh, six. Sorry. Anybody, anyone had a dream that the Lord, put up your hands and then let's all look around for a second. You, you don't, this isn't a trick question. You don't have to be ashamed about God speaking to you in a dream. Oh, I'm so ashamed right now. I love God speaking to me in dreams. I told people in the first service that that's how God moved us from Victoria to Calgary was through a, uh, through a dream. We had spent, we knew one season was coming to an end and we knew it was time to move to the next season, but we had no idea what that next season was supposed to look like. We just knew the season we were in, were in was ending. And so I had been spending time praying and fasting, trying to figure out what the heck I was supposed to do, where we were supposed to go. And one night while I was asleep, I woke up and looked up and the ceiling of our bedroom was a map of Canada. And there was a pointer finger that went from over the city of Victoria Victoria to over to Calgary and I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that we were supposed to move to Alberta I didn't really like Calgary I don't really like being cold I don't like missing the lakes but I knew deep down inside that the Lord said it is time for you to go from here to there I woke up in the morning and said to Jen we got to go and the Lord had told her beforehand that he was going to speak to me in a dream don't tell him the Lord and Jen were keeping secrets from me. <clears throat> Thanks, Father. Feel duped all these years later. So he has a dream, and in this dream, somebody says, come over here and come help us. We need you. And so Paul, being the good follower of Jesus that he is, gets up in the morning and says, we're going to act on this. Have you ever acted on a dream the Lord has given you? As we all should. If the Lord speaks to you, you should step out and obey him. And so they step out and obey him. And the Bible says um, they get on a boat in verse 11, and they sail across the strait, and they land in an island. The next day we land in Neapolis, where there were, from there we reached Philippi. They made it to Philippi, which is where the people in the book of Philippians are from. Just putting those pieces together, Okay. And so it says, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we stayed there several days. Now what happens is it says in the next few verses, 
On, on the Sabbath, Paul goes down to the river to see there's some people there that have been gathering and praying. And so Paul goes down to the river and gathers with them. And there's a lady there named Lydia who is a seller of purple. Purple was expensive cloth. It cost a lot of money. And so she was there and they were gathering together and, and they began to talk and she receives Jesus. And her life is transformed and changed. And so Paul and his guys that are with them, they have stepped out. There was a dream where somebody's saying, come over here and help us. They obeyed. They got up the next morning. They made travel arrangements. They got on a boat. They did what God said. They sailed across the strait. They wander around. You know how they had to do back then? They wandered around. They find somebody. They find some people. And people's lives are being changed. And God is working. They're seeing fruit happen from obeying God. Anybody been there? Have you been there? When you can see fruit in your life. Doesn't it, isn't it a good feeling? You're like, yes, I heard from the Lord. It wasn't a mistake. I'm not a wacko. I remember when we moved from Alberta or from, from Cal, uh, Victoria to Calgary, people were like, what are you going to do there? And at this point, we just knew we were supposed to move and we had no idea. I was, we were quitting the church we were working at in Victoria. We were selling our home there. We bought a house in Alberta. What are you going to do? As everybody asks, what are you going to do? I don't know. People are like, what? And we just said, we know that we're supposed to go. We know we're supposed to take out this step in faith. And so we did it. But it feels so good when you step out and obey God and you see fruit in your life from that obedience, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. But then something always happens, doesn't it? <laughs> and so in verse 16... We begin to see a storm brewing on the horizon. Have you ever seen a storm brewing on the horizon in your life? One time we were uh, ministering at a, a youth camp way in northern Saskatchewan, and it was the coolest thing ever. Now, Saskatchewan, you can see for 13 days, I think. Like, you can get up and you can see, like, into tomorrow for sure, and then 12 more days beyond that. But uh, in the afternoon, like, we had had morning sessions, and everybody was hanging outside doing, like, you know, youthy activities. In the afternoon, we saw a storm brewing on the horizon, and we watched this storm for hours, days, slowly make its way across. And sometimes in our own spiritual lives, we can see storms brewing on the horizon. I want to remind you of something right here and right now. There is a mindset sometimes in followers of Jesus where when we encounter obstacles, when we encounter trouble, when we encounter tribulation, when we encounter storms, we say, oh, this is hard. This is, must be a mistake. I must not have heard from the Lord. I must not have got this part right because if Jesus wanted me to do something, there wouldn't be problems in my pathway. That's not true. Remember last week we looked at uh, Jesus saying, I think it was in, it's in John 16, 33, I told you all this that in me you might have peace. Uh, here on earth you're going to have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. I was thinking this morning about James chapter 1. It says, count it all joy. Who knows this scripture? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials and temptations. Oh, Cool. Count it all joy. Here comes a big nasty storm on the horizon. Listen, 
There is going to be storms that come into your life. You have to be prepared for them. You have to know what to do when you find yourself in the storms so that you can walk through those storms like Jesus, just unconcerned and unworried about the wind and unworried about the waves because you have a mission and a calling that you're on. You don't have to worry about how deep this trough is and how high this crest is. You just keep walking wherever you're going, wherever the Lord's leading you, and you're not concerned about the wind blowing and the rain falling. A storm in your life does not equal I've missed it or I've disobeyed. In fact, many times, get ready for this, many times a storm, a trial, a tribulation, a problem in your life really signifies that you have stepped into what God has called you to do and the enemy is saying, I don't like it that you are obeying God and stepping out in what he's called you to, so I'm going to make your life difficult hoping that you quit and stop. We talked about medieval battles in the first service. Battles and wars look different now than they did even 80 years ago. But hundreds of years ago, battles were really different. And there was what is called a battlefield. And when you step on the battlefield, you are engaging in the war. And you are a target of the enemy. If you're not on the battlefield, if you're back in your tent, if you're back at your cabin, if you're back at your castle, you're probably okay. But as soon as you step field or step foot on the battlefield, the enemy says, ah, mm, no, I don't want you here. I don't like it that you're here. So I'm going to do everything I can to come against you and stop you. That does not mean that you heard from him wrong. It means that this guy over here doesn't like where you're going, doesn't like your obedience, doesn't like the threat that you represent as a child of God and says, I'm going to stop you with everything I got. You just have to say, actually, you can't stop me. So take a hike. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that we struggle so hard to understand. See, the battle has already been won. It's already been fought. So you don't have to fight the battle again. You just have to know and understand that that battle has been won and has been fought and step securely onto the battlefield knowing that your father and your, his son already paid that price and you can walk calmly across the field not worried about everything else. So the storm is a brewing. And what's happening here in verses 16 to 22-ish is there's this girl who's possessed and she is following around behind um, Paul and Silas uh, crying out saying, these men are here and they're servants of the most high God and they're here basically to tell you how to receive salvation. And the Bible says they follow, they, she follows them around for a while and finally after a couple days, Paul has had enough and turns around and says, hey, it's time for you to go. In the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. And her bosses, the guys that were 
where her masters get really mad because this demon-possessed girl was making a lot of money for these two guys. And so they said, we don't like it that you just cast this demon out of this girl. And so now we're going to drag you to the court because you just lost all of our income. And so in verse 22, it says, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them and stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Now, a lot of people right here would say, oh man, I disobeyed God. Look at, I got beat. I'm in trouble. They're gonna throw me in a jail. I must have done something wrong. But that's not the case. That's the enemy just trying to stop you. That's the storm blowing. That's the wind blowing. It's the tree shaking back and forth. You just have to know that you don't have to worry about this. And so we see here in verse 23, it says they were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. This is a bad storm. Listen, I think there's people, I think there's followers of Jesus. I think there's people who don't know Jesus who are in all kinds of storms, who are all in kinds of prison cells. There's prison cells of jealousy. There's prison cells of hatred. There's prison cells of misunderstanding. And there's prison cells of uh, frustration. There's prison cells of anxiety. There's prison cells of uh, self-hatred. There's there's prison cells of all kinds of things, of marriages that don't look the way they're supposed to look. There's all kinds of prison cells that we live bound in. And we say we're chained up these things these guys weren't just thrown into a cell but they were thrown into a cell and then chained to the wall with shackles so they couldn't move and what is their response when they find themselves see here's the thing I think what the spirit of God is really trying to get us to do is learn how to when we find ourselves in these places how we are to respond what's your answer In the storms of life. What's your answer when you're thrown into a prison cell and chained up? What's your answer when the doctor calls with a bad report? What's your answer when the banker calls? What's your answer when your spouse says, I don't like you. I want a divorce. I don't love you. I don't understand what you're saying. What's your answer when every conversation you have with your spouse turns into a fight? What's your answer when your kids are going nuts and you can't talk sense into them and they don't listen and they're driving you crazy? What's your answer in that moment? Yeah. Verse 24 is beautiful. It says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. The other prisoners were listening. Around midnight, when everybody else is asleep, when everybody else is taking a nap, they're not sitting there chewing their fingernails. They're not sitting there, their knees aren't knocking together. Paul's not like, oh, jinkies, we're in real trouble. The Bible says that they take that moment, they take that opportunity, and their answer and their response is to begin to pray and sing hymns to the Lord. The New King James and the King James says they begin to sing praises to God. Their response in the prison cell, their response in the storms is to give God glory and praise for who he is. Not, I'm so scared right now. What are we ever going to do? (laughs) 
how are we going to get out of this mess? Oh, we're sunk, guys. I bet, you know, the Bible says they were chained up and shackled up so they could only raise their hands, move their bodies so far, but I bet they were doing all they could to raise the roof and raise their hands and give God praise. This word pray and, and singing hymns, praying in the Greek is the Greek word prosukamai, and it means to pray to God. It means to supplicate and to worship, to worship. It doesn't say that they're, they're afraid and they're trembling. It says that they are praying and worshiping God. Singing hymns is the Greek word humaneo, and it means to him. That's what it means. That's why the New Living says they were singing hymns, because it means it's humaneo. And it's singing a religious ode. By implication, it means to celebrate God. Hang on a minute. You're telling me that they're in prison, in the inner cell, chained up, and their response in that moment is to celebrate and sing songs to God. <laughs> I got a feeling. I think Paul was like Silas, I got a feeling. Everything's going to be all right. Silas says, What? He says, Oh, I've got a feeling. Everything is going to be all right. Silas says, what? Paul says, I've got a feeling. Everything is going to be all right. Be all right. Be all right. Be all right. And Silas says, why? He says, oh, Jesus, he told me everything is going to be all right. What? Oh, Jesus, he told me. Everything is going to be all right. Listen to me. You're here in this place today. And maybe you're chained up. Maybe you're in a prison cell. Maybe you've got addictions in your life. Maybe you've got things that you can't get free of. Your key to freedom, your key to salvation in those moments is lifting your hands and worshiping and praising God. My marriage is a mess. I just can't get on the same page with my spouse. You know what you need to do? Instead of trying to hash it out with your spouse, instead of trying to have one more fight where your point of view is seen, what you need to do is begin to lift your hands and praise God. I don't know why, but I got a feeling it's going to be all right. I don't understand it, but I got a feeling it's going to be all right. When the doctor calls you and says, you're not going to make it, you need to put your affairs in order. You need to start saying goodbye to people. I got a feeling. I don't know why. Everything's going to be all right. And you begin to raise your hands. You begin to praise God. Listen, during worship, there was a moment. The key to your victory, the key to your freedom is in praising and giving thanks. The next verse here says, as they were praising, look at this. Let's look at this. It says, suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations and the doors, all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. That happened as they were praising and praying to the Lord. 
as they were giving thanks. The Spirit of God said to me standing right here during worship that some of us are walking around chained up and in prison and bound up because we are refusing to give God praise in the storm. I don't know how much more clear I can make it to you. But if you are in this place, or if you know people that are bound up, then you take this freedom, you take this revelation, and you give it away. But here's the key. Whatever you're struggling with, wherever you're bound up, whatever you're chained to, the freedom from you is found in recognizing that the battle has been fought, the battle has been won, the doors have been opened, and all you got to do is praise. And as you begin to praise, as you lift up those, I don't want to lift up those hands. I'll tell you what, you'd want to lift up those hands if you saw the freedom on the other side. And let me tell you something, the freedom is on the other side. When you lift those hands up and begin to give thanks and begin to praise God for who he is and what he's done, I guarantee you he begins to go to work in your life. Because as you lift him up and as you praise, the anointing comes. And the anointing breaker comes. The anointing, the bondage breaker comes. And as you worship him, his anointing begins to fill where you're at. And the Bible says the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. Praise break is the break that sets the captives free. It sets the captives free. There are too many people. Oh, Jesus. There are too many people walking around. Here it is. There are too many people walking around chained up, and they have the key to freedom on their hip. It is right here. How, how sad of us to walk around chained up while we have the key to our freedom right here. The key is praising and thanking God. You don't know my circumstance. You don't know how bad it is. You don't know how crazy my spouse is. You don't know how messed up my kids are. You don't know how bad my finances are. You don't know what the doctor said to me. I don't. You're right, but he does. And you begin to give him thanks for what he's done so far. You begin to give him thanks for who he is and watch and see what happens. You won't even understand it. You know, in Philippians, it talks about when you begin to pray and give God thanks, that the peace of God begins to, the peace that passes all understanding will flood your hearts and minds. And it says that his peace will guard you. Oh, Jesus you know, it goes on here. Praise is not just setting you free. It goes on in this story. And the prison doors flew open. And the prison guard that was there thought everybody had escaped. The Bible says he pulls out his sword to kill himself. That seems really extreme, but here's the thing. When they were alive back then, what, what the expectation was, if you were a jailer and the people escaped, you were, as the jailer, because they escaped, you were expected to receive their punishment. And so this jailer realized that those guys escaped and they were going to be killed. And so because they escaped, he realized his life was done. 
he was going to be killed. And so he prepares to kill himself. Paul calls out and saves him. says, don't kill yourself. We're all here. The Bible says this man gets a light and runs to him and says, you're here? Oh, wow. No, the Bible says it runs to him and he says, what do I have to do to be saved? That word saved is the Greek word sozo. And it literally means to be made whole. What do I have to do to be made whole? What do I have to do to receive what you have? How, how, did you, how, how did you break out of prison? How did you bust these doors open? How did those chains fall off the wall that you're strapped into? How, how are you set free? Because I need the freedom that you have. Stand up with me. I want you to close your eyes with me. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Father, we love you. We are so thankful for who you are for your presence, and for your anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. We give you praise, and we give you thanks. Father, as we go through storms, as we go through trials, as we go through tribulations and temptations, Father, we keep our eyes fixed on you. We look to you. We don't look at the wind and we don't look at the waves. We don't look at the prison bars. We don't look at the chains that are hanging off of us. We look to you. We look to you as the, as the name above all names. And we give you thanks and we give you praise for what you've done in the past because we know if you've done it in the past, we know that you will do it again. Your word says that you're the same yesterday and you're the same today, and so you'll be the same forever. And so we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, Father, that you've done it once, you'll do it again. And so we remind ourselves of your goodness in our lives, and we say thank you. We raise our hands to you today, and we say thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I want you to keep your eyes closed. And if you're here today, and as I was speaking, you're saying to yourself, I feel like I am in a prison of some kind. That I need those prison gates to be flung open. That I need these chains that have held me bound for far too long. I want you to put your hands up so I can see. Because there is freedom today. I believe there is an earthquake coming into our lives today. The Spirit of God is going to shake up some things and break off some things. That His anointing is coming into our lives to break the yoke of bondage. All right, now here's the thing. Here's what I want you to do. Everybody open your eyes. The key is on your hip. 
You've got the key. And in my mind, I picture one of those janitors that has 167 keys. And it's on a stretchy cord. And he wears it everywhere he goes. The key is on your hip. And what we're going to do together for just a moment is we're going to take that key and we're going to unlock the prison cells by the power and the anointing of Jesus Christ. And the key is praise and thanksgiving. Yeah, come on. The key is raising up the hands that hang down and saying, I will choose to worship. I will choose to praise. Even when it doesn't look easy, even when I don't want to, I'm going to raise my hand and say, thank you, Father. The key is in your hand. It's on your hip. What are you going to do with it? What is your answer right now in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the prison cell? So we're going to take a moment and just worship and give praise and give thanks and get ready for the Spirit of God to begin to work and move in your life. for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that His Spirit, His love, and His life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope. <laughs>